Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Okay, before we get serious, welcome back. Before we get serious, and we'll do some serious stuff today. I uh, listened to the description of this movie. I was just, I just was looking through my phone. Got some mess, got some messages or notices, whatever. So I pulled this one up. I'll tell you the title of the movie in a second. Here's the synopsis. Uh, Blankety blank. The name of the movie is an anthology of five short films from some of the leading Latin filmmakers in the horror genre, spotlighting Hispanic talent both in front and behind the camera. When police raid a house in El Paso, they find it full of dead Latinos and only one survivor. He's known as the Traveler. And when they take him to the station for questioning, he tells them those lands are full of magic. And he talks about the horrors he's encountered in his long time on this earth about portals to other worlds, mythical creatures, demons, and the undead. Stories about Latin American legends. And the name of the movie, how do you get away with this today? Satanic Hispanics. (laughs) <laughs> that's I'm not kidding. That's real. I was just clearing out some notices in the phone. And there it is. Satanic Hispanics. Now, if I'm quoting the name of a movie, I probably can survive uttering those words. But if I said it, just dropped it into some kind of crazy reference uh, that probably not go very well. Hey, welcome back. It is Steve Noble. Just a little Friday humor there for you. Uh, pretty goofy. Uh, way to start. Uh, Let's go from uh, satanic Hispanics to uh, Megyn Kelly and Donald Trump. So a few, uh, there's only cards on the table. Now, if uh, Donald Trump is the nominee, and it sure looks like he will be, uh, he will, he'll get my vote. Okay, that'll be the third time I've voted for the guy. But I can't hardly stand to watch him for more than 20 minutes. Uh, just, just his communication style. I mean, it's same old, same old, right? He's eminently predictable. Like a lot of people at this point, he wasn't, uh, as a politician six, seven years ago, but he is now. And, uh, you know, just the way he communicates. I mean, for me, I guess as somebody that talks a lot, uh, it just, I, it just drives me nuts. So I only watched about 25 minutes of the Megyn Kelly, Donald Trump thing, and I had to tap out. Okay. I'm out. Uh, but there were a couple interesting moments that I want to play. Let's start with this one. This is when Megyn Kelly, uh, is talking to the former president about Fauci. Like, why didn't you fire Fauci? A lot of interesting things in here. And I'll have some comments about this. But I, I want if you didn't watch this, this is on her YouTube channel and her podcast. So let's go ahead with that one. She's talking to him about Fauci. For years, you've been saying that the reason you didn't fire Anthony Fauci uh, was because he'd been there for a long time, that you would have taken heat, that it would have created a firestorm, quoting your words. Then for the first time in May... I also said I didn't listen to him too much. I'm getting there. But then in in May, you started saying, well, he's a civil servant, so I couldn't technically. The truth is, though, not only did you not fire Fauci, who is loathed by many, many millions of Republicans in particular, but also some Democrats. By the way... You made him a star. You made him a star. This is the criticism of you, that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus task force. You think so? That he was at every presser, (laughs) that he was running herd for the administration on COVID, and that... You actually gave him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do-over on that? Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. 
I really don't know who gave him the accommodation. Well, presidential I accommodation. One went I know. off Mark Somebody Milley, probably too. handed him accommodation. He probably. But let me just tell you about Fauci. Fauci was very important in the Biden administration, much less important. If you know, he didn't want to stop China. He wanted to let everyone come in from China. I stopped it. I overrode it. I overrode many of the things he did. He was much less important to me. Now, with that all being said, he's been there for years. He was respected. He lost a lot of the respect because of COVID, but he was respected. And on COVID, if you know what I did, I let the governors run their states. And many of the governors uh, opened up Can you pause it right states. there? Some of them didn't. Florida, by the way. Just pause it right there. Okay, this is one of those things that somebody that teaches civics and understands the uh, Constitution and the actual uh, framing of the country and how it's supposed to work. Most people, that comment will just slip right by. I, I let the governors. I allowed the governors. Okay, that, that is inherently an anti-constitutional statement. Just FYI. Oh, here he goes again. Here's Steve bashing Trump. I, I don't care who the president is. And anybody talking about this, uh, accuracy and understanding the Constitution matters. He, I, I, I allowed the governors. Uh, no, sir. It's called federalism. And there is uh, distinctions between the federal government and the state governments and shutting down the state governments. Like a state government, if the, if the, if the executive branch of the federal government says, oh, we think you, should, we, you need to shut everything down. The state governor and the legislature, by the way, could look at the president and say, uh, go for a long walk on a short pier. You do not have that kind of authority. You do not run the states. You run the executive branch of the federal government, which does not put you in charge of the states. That's defiantly anti-federalism, that statement. Okay, so just remember that. Just like when other people say, hey, the president's doing a great job running the country. Or, or if Donald Trump would say that himself. I'm the kid in the back of the class, puts my hand up and go, actually, the president's job is not to run the country. He, in fact, uh, does not have the power to run the country. He's very influential and can affect the country, but he does not run the country. This is not Great Britain. He's not King George II. You're not the queen. You're not Julius Caesar. You don't want to live in a country where the president runs the country. You don't want to live there. So that's also a deal. So th this type of stuff, there's not a lot of things that trigger me. That's one of them. Okay, hit play. We'll keep going. It's way, true. Florida, by the way, was closed. Uh, but if you take a look at Henry McMaster, he had his state, uh, South Carolina, open. Uh, you take a look at uh, South Dakota. Take a look at Tennessee. A lot of the states were not closed. And I allowed, it's the federalist system. I allowed the governors to do that. I also allowed Democrat governors to do that. But I don't think any of them, none of them did it. Uh, Wouldn't you like to go back and try to clip his wings? This guy was pushing mask mandates on us. He wanted the most extreme Fauci. measure at every turn. Okay, look, I'm not one that blames a system that if you're civil service or if you have some other protection that you can't get fired because I've done things that are a lot worse than that. You're big right? on the firing. So, so yeah, I fired a lot of people. <laughs> I fired Comey, and that was one of the great fired firings. A big I fired Comey, and then I fired, fired a lot of a lot other of people, people in the FBI, and they were great firings because the deep state, and they were at work, and they were not good people. Uh, but I wasn't, I was not a big fan of Fauci. If you look at Ron DeSanctimonious, he was, this guy said the greatest things. I can give you articles. All right, pause that, right there. Well, I'm going to come back and tell you. There's two tweets that Ron DeSantis put out. Uh, about Fauci that Donald Trump and his allies have said, oh, he'd love Fauci. He's a big Fauci fan. He praised Fauci. I'll tell you exactly what he said. <laughs> you got to go look at it. You decide for yourself. Uh, I think it's kind of ridiculous. A lot of things going on here. Essentially, he's avoiding dropping the axe on Fauci. We'll be right back.
Hey, it's Steve. Woke up this morning and I heard the news. I know the pain of a heart break. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. Just uh, peeking in on the interview earlier this week that Megan Kelly did on her podcast and her YouTube channel with Donald Trump. It's pretty long. It's about an hour and 20 minutes, I think. I watched about 20, 25 minutes, then I had to tap out. I just can't do long format stuff with uh, former President Trump. Just the way he communicates, things he chooses to say, the way he skirts around things. It drives me nuts. Uh, but cards on the table. I voted for him twice if he's the nominee uh, next summer into the fall, and it sure looks like he will be. That uh, if it's him versus whoever, whatever Democrat, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump a third time. And, but I'm not a big Trump guy. I'm not a MAGA hat wearing guy. Uh, I don't think too highly of him as an individual and things about him. But, but I, I'll support him and I'll pray for him uh, as, as president because he'll do a much better job uh, than any Democrat on the face of the planet. So there, there my cards are on the table. But that doesn't mean I can't criticize, and some people get mad at you for criticizing like I'm causing a problem. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm exercising my First Amendment rights to free speech, ultimately. So is the, uh, is the camera off in here or something, Josh? I mean, I'm looking at my screen, and everything in the screen looks great, and I'm, like, totally out of focus. Just FYI. All right, can we uh, go ahead and – I want to go ahead and play – a little more of that clip. And then I want to jump over to the clip when he's talking to, she brings up the whole transgender thing. Cause he's not a big, uh, social issues guy, right? He, he did a lot of great things on life, but you, you could tell it wasn't like in his bones. He's, he's not like me on these issues or probably not like you, but she did get to it. Let's just play a little bit more of her interaction with him talking about Fauci. Just pick it up where we left off. He's wonderful. We love him. We don't do anything without Fauci. This went on for months. But he didn't listen to Fauci. All right. Stop there for well, a second. Did. Okay, this is, again, he's talking about DeSantis. Dance, oh, he went on for months. He loved it. Here's the two things that DeSantis said. They were both tweets. Here's the first one. Uh, this was, uh, he tweeted this on March 25th, 2020. Okay, right at the beginning of all the COVID stuff. Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci agree. There is too high a risk that travelers from the New York tri-state area have been exposed to COVID-19. I appreciate their support for my executive order requiring such individuals flying into Florida to self-quarantine for 14 days. That's the tweet. Does that sound like he's a huge Dr. Burks, Dr. Fauci fan? He said, Dr. Birch and Dr. Fauci agree there's too high a risk that travelers from the New York tri-state area have been exposed. All he said is they agree. I appreciate their support. He doesn't say he's a big fan. I appreciate their support for my executive order. Remember that? He shut down Florida. Uh, he was one of the last governors to shut down, by the way. And if you look it up, if you bother to look it up. <clears throat> and then uh, he, he reversed a lot. And by the end of 2020, man, he was hardcore going in the right direction. So that was one. Uh, and then here's another one, another tweet. And these are the things you can point to to say it, to, to back up Donald Trump saying DeSantis loved Fauci. Here's the other one. Here is a useful overview of what we know regarding COVID-19, courtesy of Drs. Fauci, Lane, and Redfield. That was on March 3rd, 2020. Does that sound like he wants to invite Dr. Fauci to the prom to you? Uh, no. So that's where when, when any politician, but in this case, it's Donald Trump, when they're doing that kind of stuff and you just buy it because you like him, because he's your guy, that that's confirmation bias. That's lack of intellectual curiosity and lack of intellectual honesty. You cannot take anybody outside of the judgment of right and wrong. You have to be willing to do that. 
especially when we're talking about presidential level politics. And and he does it all the time. And so I'm like, okay, that's one of the reasons I don't like listening to him because it's really obvious when he's just bantering about and uh, and and doesn't want to deal with it, which he doesn't. And so Fauci's going to get away with it. The NIH is going to get away with it. The CDC is going to get away with it because most people don't give a rip at this point, apparently. And so President uh, former President Trump's not going to deal with it. He just punts on that across the board. And, you know, I, I got the uh, Operation Warp Speed and the fact that millions of people have been harmed by that. And that's a nightmare worldwide. Uh, no, no, I saved millions of people. It's just going to be the same clap, trap, clap track over and over and over again. So, so every, they're all going to get away with it, all of them, including him, which obviously uh, disgusts me. Okay, cards on the table. Okay, let's jump over to um, the next clip when she brings up the whole transgender thing. They spent a couple of minutes going, yeah, this wasn't really, we weren't talking about it all that much during his presidency, early on in his presidency, but certainly it started to pick up steam. But some interesting comments here about the whole transgender thing. Go ahead and roll that. That's become an issue now. Should children be provided with access to puberty blockers and cross-sex <clears throat> hormones this in a second, when so they're listen. minors? Yeah, I'm so against listen. it. First of all, many of them, I heard like 62%, when they grow up, when they're older, they're saying, who did this to me? Why did you do this to me? Second of all, the parents have to make the decision. You know, they're trying to give it to school boards and schools and things to make a decision. It's unbelievable. Stop. Think uh... <clears throat> I would, I would follow. She didn't. I would follow up with that. So, uh, excuse me, Mr. President. You come back around to it, Mr. President. You, you said that parents should be able to make that decision. Do you, do you think that a parent uh, should be able to, in whatever state, anywhere in this in this country, do you think a parent should be able to have their 13 year old daughter's breasts removed, thinking they're transgendered, or, or would you, would you, uh, put in a federal ban on all of that? I'd go back to that. You have to be that sensitive and that critical in today's world, in the political world, in the digital world, in the social media world. You really have to be sifting through everything. This is the type of stuff I do with my students. I'm like, hold on a second. Listen, what did he just say? Parents should make that decision. No, I, I don't think a parent. I think a parent taking their through hormone blockers and stuff is child abuse. Just because the parent makes the decision, in this case, when it's something this extreme, you go, okay, well, can't, you're not allowed to legally beat your kid. You can't cut your kid's fingers off when they steal cookies. There's limits there to what a parent can do. When they start violating the human rights of their children, there's limits there. But he said parents, so I'm like, mm -hmm, hold on. Okay, this, this is just the, this, I think we all need to be this uh, loaded when it comes to critical thinking. Keep going. Think, you know, I talk about mutilation sometimes in my speeches. We will stop the mutilation of children. And then I'll stop and I'll say to the people in the audience, I'll say, can you imagine that I'm talking about we're going to stop mutilation of children? Yeah. But that's what it is. It's the mutilation of children. And we will stop the mutilation of children. I appreciate him using the Ten word. Ten years ago, you wouldn't even, nobody would ever to think, to, think of it. I am telling people because I guess I'm a politician, whether I like it or not. Uh, as a politician, as somebody that represents a lot of people, I'm telling people that we're going to stop the mutilation of children. Who would have to say a thing like that? Yeah. You'd think it would be automatic. Would you, so would you be in favor of a ban then on puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones for minors? I, th I think yes, yes, yes. Yep. I would. That's good. Can okay. a man be no, a woman? Keep going. Can a man become a woman? Um... <laughs> in my opinion, listen. You have a man, you have a woman. I, I 
I think, I think part of it is birth. Can the man give birth? No, no, although they'll come up with some answer to that also. Someday, <laughs> I heard just the other day, they have a way that now the man can give birth. No, I would say uh, uh, I'll continue my stance on that. Now, there's a lot about that, that the mutilation thing, and he's willing to use that word. I appreciate that. But can a man become a woman? No. <laughs> What's the pot? The, uh, well, maybe it comes out of birth. You know, they're saying a man can give birth to a woman and can give birth and then, uh, you know. No. Can a man become a woman? No. Can a woman become a man? No. Why not? Isn't it obvious? Next question. I'd like to see a little bit more of that. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. Good to be with you. Just working our way through a few things. And uh, I, would, I would say there, there's some interesting moments if you want to take the time to watch the Megyn Kelly, Donald Trump interview. If no other, if for no other reason, that the, the last time those guys did an interview together, it, it was nasty. Remember, she was uh, hosting a debate and it got wild. I mean, that that was it was pretty nutty. And so to see them back together and it was civil and she pressed him here and there, which I appreciated, but you know, he, he knows what he's doing in his own Donald Trump way. So, um, <clears throat> I just can't handle, I can't watch it for too long. I can't watch Trump for too long personally. Uh, but like I said before, before you get out the battle ax, I want to uh, separate my head from my body. I voted for him twice. And if he's the guy and it looks like he will be, I'll vote for him again. So, uh, but but he's getting away with his fourth year uh, because I lay a lot of the, the COVID debacle at his feet. And then, of course, Biden at all picks up the ball and runs with it and makes it even worse. But I, I, I put a lot of blame on Donald Trump. I think he ceded authority over to Burks and Fauci. <clears throat> and uh, and he wanted to once Operation Warp Speed. I think he got it in his head that, hey, I'm saving millions of people here. I'm going to be I'm going to be the hero of American history. And he's not, which torques him off in. He's just complicated. He's a complicated person. But on that one, so he's just he's just smoking at the polls, whether you like it or not. Uh, he just is. Uh, and, and, and I would rather see Ron DeSantis than Donald Trump. But it is what it is. Right. And uh, my life consists of more than what who's going to be in the White House uh, after the next election. Uh, Fox News. These are the most recent polls uh, in a head to head. Trump versus Biden. Trump plus two. Uh, Harvard Harris poll, Trump plus four, Quinnipiac Biden plus one, the, the messenger Harris X Trump plus one. Then a couple of Bidens plus one. Wall Street Journal has them at a tie. CNN Trump plus one. And then on the uh, on the Republican primary, I mean, he's, his lead has actually gotten bigger. So he's uh, it's just like here's several of the most recent ones. Trump. Fox News, recent ones, Trump plus 47, Harvard, Trump plus 47, Quinnipiac, Trump plus 50, The Messenger, Harvard, uh, Harris X, Trump plus 48, Economist YouGov, Trump plus 39, Morning Consult, Trump plus 43, Trump plus 49, plus 36, plus 34, plus 46. Okay, so it sure looks like this is a, a foregone conclusion. Uh, 
But it is 2023 going into 2024. We'll see what happens in Iowa. And anything can happen anymore. It's just a crazy world that we live in. But I thought this was interesting. Uh, Biden aides terrified at Trump's prospects as polls show tight potential race. I said a couple months ago, I didn't I actually don't didn't think that Donald Trump could win a general election because there's so much anti-Trump sentiment out there. So you don't see that in these polls. OK, and so people Trump will bring people out of the out of the woodwork. Will they be never Trumpers again? Probably there will, will there be some depressed Republican vote. Probably. But it really only matters in about four or five states. So this isn't a foregone conclusion. Polls are not the end-all, be-all. But this is an interesting piece. Uh, a brutal piece from Washington Post columnist David Ignatius urging President Biden to not seek re-election in 2024 is the latest in a series of devastating criticisms from liberal news organizations. President Biden's aides are reportedly terrified of losing to Donald Trump at a potential rematch, as several polls show the two in an essential tie, because things are getting worse for Biden. He's coming across worse. He's getting more... Uh, lost all the time is dementia whatever it is is getting worse all the time economic conditions i just saw that this was wild look at this one uh an economic divide that is widening this is in yahoo finance almost a third of americans earning hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year or more say they're living paycheck to paycheck and many rely on credit cards to close the gap that's a third of people making 150k uh, a a year or more that's twelve thousand dollars a month gross so they're netting out about 8500 And a third of them are living paycheck to paycheck. So there's all kinds of things lining up against Biden. So the anti-Trump sentiment, which is real and big and intense, uh, could get overrun by the, oh my goodness, Biden, this is just nuts. Like 70% of people in a recent CNN poll were like, yeah, Biden's lost it. He can't. He's too old. And that was an interesting thing about Trump. Trump said about Biden because uh, she asked him about his age. Now, this is Trump thinking, playing a very shrewd political game here. She's, he said his age isn't the problem. He's just incompetent because he can't say his, his age is, is a problem because he's getting close to Trump's not young either. So he can't, he can't go down the, the age uh, road. So he goes incompetent road. And that was smart. Good politician there on that one. CNN reported on Thursday that polls showing no clear lead between the two candidates and a hypothetical rematch were leaving aides with existential stress, all quotes, as members of the media continue to question whether Biden should run. Quote, the former president may seem like the easier Republican candidate to beat as a known quantity who is toxic to many voters, but they're terrified that if he is the nominee, any fumbles by the campaign or the president himself would enable the return of a candidate they see as a singular threat to American democracy, CNN reports. David Ignatius wrote a column for the Washington Post, of all places, on Tuesday that called on Biden and Vice President Harris to step aside in 2024. Quote, I don't think Biden and Vice President Harris should run for reelection, he wrote. It's painful to say that, given my admiration for much of what they've accomplished. But if he and Harris campaign together in 2024, I think Biden risks undoing his greatest achievement, which was stopping former President Trump. <clears throat> Excuse me. Biden's age are blaming the media, according to CNN, for validating concerns about his age and Hunter Biden's alleged corruption. Right. It's the media's fault that Hunter and his dad are dirtbags and that, that uh, Joe is losing his mind. That's the media's fault. The outlet also reported that big name Democratic donors have yet to contribute to the Biden campaign. Quote, but to the exasperation of several top Biden aides who spoke to CNN, some of the most notable names and biggest checkbooks remain missing. 
The White House sent a letter to media organizations on Wednesday after House Speaker Kevin McCarthy announced a formal impeachment inquiry into the president. White House counsel spokesperson Ian Sams called on the media to ramp up their scrutiny of House Republicans. Uh, I don't remember seeing a letter like that for journalistic integrity when they in, impeached Donald Trump, not once, but twice. Recent polls have shown many voters believe that the president is too old to run for re-election. An Associated Press poll from late August found 77% of Americans say Biden is too old to carry out a second term. While an unsurprising 89% of Republicans expressed the sentiment, here's the kicker, 69% of Democrats also said Biden is no longer up to the task. Biden would be 86 at the end of his second term. <laughs> oh, man. Should Biden and Trump again win their party's nominations 2.0, Biden-Trump 2.0? It would mark the first time since 1956 that the country has had a presidential election rematch. That was uh, President Dwight D. Eisenhower against his Democrat challenger, Adlai Stevenson. So historic this happens, Biden, Trump 2.0. So all the talk out there about younger politicians and we need younger uh, non-white people, uh, the machine favors old white people and old white men. So it'll be interesting to see how the Democrats deal with that. But the reality is that ultimately people vote self-interest. That's a big player. So as, as things get worse in this country, which I expect they will over the next 12 months financially and in many other ways, and Biden gets more and more obviously mentally incapacitated, which will happen. Just think, uh, 12 months ago, he was at his best relative to today, 11 months ago, 10 months ago, eight months ago, six weeks ago, he was better than he is today. Just think about that for a second. Just take, take that into consideration. And more and more people are seeing that. So back to this question, what do the Democrats do? I was listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton a little bit today. And they're like, okay, obviously they got to get Kamala out of there, but they got to give, this is an astute observation, but, but you got to get Kamala. She's got to want to go do something else because if they dump a black woman. Uh, that's a huge problem. Like 98% of black women vote Democrat. That, that's the strongest part of the Democrat contingency is black women. So if they dump Kamala, that, that's a big problem. So Kamala would have to say, you know what? It's been an honor to serve, but I really think my my next calling, my most important calling is to go do this. They'd actually have to have something that she could sell, that they're not dumping a black female. But then they got to bring another one in, don't they? Just for parody's perspective. Uh, and would Michelle Obama do it? Because then you know if Biden actually won that the vice president's the next president. You know that. Can they get Biden out before November next year? I think that's a very real possibility. I, I, I'm quite confident that they're talking about it. They're watching the polling. They're watching him slip literally every week, literally and figuratively, and got to do something. Because to them, behind closed doors, we have to save the country from Donald Trump. It's fascinating, isn't it? It's a fascinating time to be alive. Frustrating, a little nerve-wracking. Uh, but certainly fascinating. A couple more things. Hunter Biden's gun indictment. Good article from Andy McCarthy on some of that. But that's that's going to go nowhere. They'll figure out a way to get him off. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. It's Steve Noble with the Steve Noble Show. A couple things I want to I want to get to here in a second, if I can. But th- this this was uh, this my buddy Steve Dace on the Blaze on Twitter. This was uh, I don't know, like two days ago, and then I I chimed in and said one thing, and and <laughs> spit back and forth crazy ever since. Uh, but just I'll just lay it out. I'm just going to read through this. This is his tweet or his what do we call these now? Are they X's? What what is this? Even more, far more than he needs to be president again or avoid prison. Donald Trump needs repentance. Uh-oh, you can see why this blew up. His very eternal soul is at stake. He continues to sadly demonstrate repentance is not in his vocabulary. You can continue to cheer him on in his unrepentance, but please understand by doing so, you are de facto enabling his damnation. So you, you see Steve's uh viewpoint on whether Donald Trump's Christian or not. For Trump, like all of us, uh, is going to be dead a lot longer than he was ever alive. There are founding fathers in hell as we speak. Now, if that triggers you, you don't know enough about our founding fathers. There are plenty of founding fathers that were not Christ-professing Christians. God-fearing, Jesus' great moral teacher, the Bible's great source of wisdom. God, the, there is God. Yep. He does govern in the affairs of men, like uh, Benjamin Franklin said. But for a lot of them, like Thomas Jefferson, you, you can find no profession of Jesus, faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. A lot of them. But you have to spend the time to do it. Go look it up for yourself. They didn't receive absolution for their sins because they ratified the Constitution. Jesus didn't die for any country, and he certainly and certainly not to save America. He died to save sinners, which we all are, including Trump. The question is, are you willing to bow the knee and admit such an inconvenient truth? It is only there in that humility that you avoid the hell you do not deserve but crave. And there will be no accomplishments, branding, fawning, and cheering that will satisfy the justified wrath of God for your sins, for Trump, or the rest of us. Nor will your bot armies be able to relentlessly demand God look at the polls. There will instead be a poll of one. He gets the lone vote and repentance is what he requires for you to receive his. There are sadly legions of popular people rotting in hell forever as we speak. You don't have forever in this life to repent, but you will have forever in the next one to regret that you never did. Okay, so here's what I said, which is what dragged me into it. Deadly serious and 100% accurate on this one, except I would not say with 100% certainty that Trump remains dead in his sin. I know members of Congress, born-again Christians, and one says he's a baby Christian, and one says he's not a Christian at all. Now, these are not guys that are saying this based on their outward uh, appearance and uh, or, or just like a at arm's length interaction with Trump. These are people that have had uh, sit-down, intimate dinners and time with Trump to... Uh, born-again Christian brother friends of mine who I've known for quite some time and who I trust. And when I've had this conversation with them, them in the past, one of them's like, yeah, I, I actually think he's a baby Christian. Uh, but he you know, comes to faith late in life. He's lived the life he's led. He's got, his vocabulary is pretty much said. He doesn't speak evangelical ease, which you have to be careful with people that, are, that you are hope or, or perhaps lead into the faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and for them to speak evangelical ease all of a sudden, it, you just can't do that. I put that, I put that into the mix in my uh, witnessing and conversations with my parents. I so desperately wanted them 
to express their faith in my language, in my terms, which was not kind and not loving and not honoring towards my parents. My, my, my dad was 14 when Pearl Harbor happened. So they don't speak evangelicalese. That's not their language. So you had to listen carefully and ask a lot of different questions and come at it from a different direction. And I believe I'll see my parents in heaven. But, but th- these things are very serious, which is why I appreciate Steve Dace on The Blaze uh, and Twitter and everywhere else. He's, he's willing to put hard things out there. But a lot of people get so triggered because they're way more interested in the person he uses as an example, Donald Trump, as opposed to the biblical truth that he's referencing, which applies to everybody, Trump or not. And so my, my two friends, one says, I think he's a baby Christian. The other guy says, no, no, I, I do not believe he's been born again, at least not yet. I see no evidence of that in, in up, up close conversations, talking about things, talking about scripture, whatever. And so I, I wave a yellow flag. I, I, I'm not comfortable saying that guy's definitely a Christian because do you know his heart? Neither do I. So I'm not comfortable saying he's definitely a Christian and I'm not comfortable saying he definitely isn't. I'm concerned about Donald Trump's soul because I haven't really seen any signs, outward signs that we can see that he's got this developing walk with Jesus Christ. I just haven't. And remember in 2015, 2016 in Iowa, I was there about 20 feet away from him when he was having that conversation with Frank Luntz. And Frank Luntz asked him not once but twice, have you ever asked God for forgiveness? Now, now Donald Trump in the ensuing years, especially at in the presidency was pro- probably one of the most witnessed to people in America, all these evangelical pastors around and other Christians around him. Cause he knew that there was a good alliance there uh, what happened spiritually, what kind of transaction happened. I don't know. I have no clue, but have you seen, have you seen signs of spiritual fruit in Donald Trump's life? As far as we can tell, as far as I can tell, I haven't, but if you get saved late in life, do you think, all of a sudden, I, I don't think this. There's all kinds of things about who you are and the way you've lived for decades that aren't going to just poof. You just become outwardly in your, in your words and your demeanor and the way you treat people. You just become this unbelievably loving, compassionate, patient, saintly person. I, I think the older you are, that the less likelihood that you're going to see that kind of radical change. Not that it can't happen, but I haven't. Do you see signs of spiritual fruit? I, I don't. So, but I don't know for sure. So I'm not going to, I don't know his heart. So if I'm going to judge his heart, well, that's sinful judgmentalism. I can't do that. I can judge his words. I can judge his activities. You can judge mine uh, based on the word of God. That's not sinful judgmentalism. That's righteous judgment. That's what Jesus was talking about in the same chapter when he said, thou shalt not judge. It's the same thing, but you got you to understand that, okay? So what do you do? Whether we're talking about Donald Trump or your spouse or your kids or somebody else, I'm obviously not going to get to these others, a couple other stories. They're not as important as the gospel. So what do you do if you're concerned? You're not sure. Say, Steve, how can I know for sure that you're born again? I mean, I can explain it to you. Hopefully there's fruit in my life. Uh, people that have known me for a long time have seen significant changes. There, there's parts of my life that have not come. I've not completely surrendered over the Lord. I have not found victory over my anger, for example. I get angry too easily. I lash out in my anger. I say things out of anger. It's all sin. It's still there, amongst other things. But if you ask me, Steve, are you, you die today, you going to heaven? Yeah, I'm going to heaven. 
I'm, I'm relying nothing on myself. I bring nothing to the table. I get at the quote unquote pearly gates. And, you know, you know, you know the story, right? Peter's standing there for whatever reasons, Peter. Uh, oh, oh, hi, Steve. Nice to see you. Uh, what do you want? <laughs> Bro, I want in. Okay, why should I let you into the king's heaven? Now, if your answer has anything to do with you, you need to go back to the scripture. Because you ain't got the answer. So if you ask me, and that actually happened. And Peter's standing there. Hey, Pete. By the way, Peter, I'm a lot like you. I've got a lot of the same issues that, that you had, which I know you don't have anymore. But you had them. You had them then. Uh, hey, so Steve, why should I, why should you be granted access into heaven? I'd be looking past Peter. I'd get on my tippy toes, dip to the left, dip to the right. I'd be, uh, hold on, Peter. Uh, oh, I, okay. I'm pretty sure that's Jesus, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the master. My master, my friend. That's 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 the Lord. That's the Savior. That's Jesus. And I would say to Peter, then go ask him. I got nothing for you other than him. The only reason that I could cross through this gate is because of him. I got nothing for you, Peter, other than my faith in him. My understanding that I have to put all my faith in him. There's a reason why I, I need him. Because I, I realize I'm dead in my sin. There's none righteous. No, not one. You're not saved by the works of the law. You can't be. Because you can't keep the law. And But God is a moral God. you got a moral problem. You violated the moral law. The moral solution is there has to be justice. Justice requires punishment. There has to be payment. And so, well, Steve, do you got a receipt or anything? Peter, go ask Jesus. Jesus, hey, 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 Lord, thank you. Peter, I got nothing for you except my faith in him. That's all I got. And that's the deal. That, that's more important than any news story, any election, any anything. Because your soul, my soul, everybody else's soul, Donald Trump's soul, Joe Biden's soul, Barack Obama's soul, you name it, Ron DeSantis' soul. Those are the only things that are going to last forever. And that matters more than everything else. So do I, do I want to, quote, unquote, see America saved? Sure, I do. Because America's made up of 340 million people. But I think the Lord is way more interested in seeing Americans saved than seeing America saved. It's about people. It's not about countries. Now, countries are made up of people, which is why you should care about your country. But it's the people that matter, not the country itself. And so what do you do with Donald Trump? Uh, the same thing we should do with anybody that we're not sure of their salvation. Pray for him. Pray for him. Pray for him. If you have a chance, share with them. But if you don't, pray for him. You should pray for Joe Biden, too, by the way. I hope you have a great weekend. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll speak to you again on Monday. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward. <laughs>